0: Hey, everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you, though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app.
1: Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows the two best words in sports. Brandon Fott. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman.
0: How about it? Oh, I just hope this game sounds a little bit better than the one we got last night on this Tuesday edition of the podcast we will review the womp womp of the century Astros Rangers Game 7 Rangers fans don't care most fans don't care they're happy to see the Astros sent home but that is going to be the second half of our show to kind of put a bow on the Astros season and look ahead because the Phillies and D-backs are still playing baseball Jake you are still in Philadelphia and you will be back at Citizens Bank Park Tonight to see if the Phillies can keep their season alive. Remember, I picked Phillies in seven, and I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. I actually had a
1: cot sent up to the press box at Citizens Bank just so I could be more
0: comfortable there. Oh, that's good. That's good. Maybe that's what happened with the D-backs, too, because they looked awfully comfortable in game six. And we are going to get... Into that, but yeah, so first half, we're going to do NL. I know we've been bouncing back and forth in terms of the order, but I feel like this is the game that is still on our mind as another game seven approaches. And so, uh, let's review what happened in game six. Again, I know, I know it wasn't the most exciting game, I guess it was a little bit more, uh close, uh, close contest than the one we got afterwards in Texas, but let's uh, let's take it away. You were there, uh, Citizens Bank Park, you you watched the Phillies lose. This was the first. Non-World Series postseason game that they have lost at home in the last two years. And uh, how did how did it happen? What went wrong here? It was weird. Um,
1: the 5 o'clock start was actually kind of sweet, kind of warm, kind of hot for a little bit before the sun went down. And I love games like 5 o'clock starts are great at this time of year because you get a little sunset action, right? You mm-hmm. see the night creeping in and the darkness blanketing the crowd. Mm-hmm. The other thing blanketing the crowd was tension, Jordan, because... Their Philadelphia Phillies came out flatter than an opened can of LaCroix. The uh the the too long to read here is Merrill Kelly, Arizona pitcher, good. Aaron Nola, Philadelphia pitcher, not that good. And the Diamondbacks won six to one as a result of it. They put up three runs, sorry, five to one. They put up three runs in the top of the second including back-to-back blasts from Tommy Pham and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. before Evan Longoria drove in Alec Thomas with an RBI double. And that would be enough. The Phillies actually punched back for one run in the bottom of the second, but that was all they could get. They left runners stranded on first and third after a Trey Turner strikeout. And the Phillies' offense, in the biggest game of its season, said, Nah, I'm good. Not particularly interested. There aren't a whole lot of plot points in this game. It was more, I guess, uh, the next kind of interesting moment was Merrill Kelly being pulled earlier than he would have liked after five innings. He kind of got into it with Diamondback skipper Torrey Lavello in the dugout. We've seen this a million times. If a pitcher gets pulled, he's not happy about it. Duh.
0: Yeah, I would say, uh, so just to kind of zoom in on why he was probably especially bothered... Obviously, he was pitching quite well. He had allowed just the one run in the second. And in the fifth inning, strikes out Schwarber, Turner flies out, strikes out Harper. So in theory, like, I just got through the difficult part. Like, let me keep rolling and at least get another inning against the middle of the Phillies lineup that has obviously been struggling a lot. Uh, But he was at 90 pitches, so I'm not super shocked by it. Like, if he was at 78 and they pulled him there I would I would be shocked and disappointed at 90 whatever uh the the D-backs bullpen was obviously fresh and so they were able to go to the Thompson, Saul Frank, Ginkel, Seawald. And, and I guess maybe somewhat surprising that they that they used Saul Frank obviously they wanted to get him back in a, in a solid spot. I would also rewind at least a little bit to a moment I was curious your take on on using Michael Lorenzen for the first time the whole month uh as the first pitcher out of the bullpen after Cattell Marte knocks Aaron out with an RBI triple to make it four to one. I think then bringing in Lorenzen in there for Moreno and Walker was, it was weird. Cause it like, it felt like a white flag. I know he gets out of the inning and, and looked okay. He pitched, I guess a couple innings, right. And looked pretty good. And when you're doing it, like the, the whole point of that is you're, you're, you're trusting your guy. I know when, when we see Michael Lorenzo come out, we know how much he sucked and that he hasn't pitched. We're like, oh, that's a white flag. There is upside to that because if he can throw some scoreless innings and you're not using your top guys, you feel better about game seven. But that was an, an interesting move that I think sort of paid off, and maybe that works well tonight. But it was it was seemed strange that he was the first guy out. There was no other option. There was no other guy who could give them a little bit of length. Sure. And
1: it didn't make sense to burn dudes in a game where you looked so helpless. And I think yeah. Thompson recognized that. And that was smart. I mean, he he got an inning out of Kimbrel last yeah. night. The Matt Gelb at the Athletic wrote about this. The four guys that weren't used last night are probably the four guys Thompson trusts most right now. And that's Alvarado, Hoffman, mm-hmm. Strom, and Sir Anthony. Yeah. Those are the four who were not used yep. last night. And you can we, also flip mm-hmm. that right where the Diamondbacks, they're, they're four that they trust. Mm-hmm. That's Saul Frank. Saul Frank, Thompson. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ginkle, Ginkl Seawald, Seawald, yep. Seawald, right. Yeah. Um, the one moment that I thought was a little bit interesting is escaping my mind. Oh, sorry. So there's a, a, a in I can't remember exactly which inning it was, but Schwarber gets thrown out trying to take. Oh, yes. Base.
0: This was in the bottom of the seventh. Yes, this was the other. I mean, it seems dramatic to say key moment of the game, but basically, bottom of the seventh, Brandon Marsh leads off with a single. Rojas uh, flies out. And this is when Sol Frank comes in to face Schwarber. Um, and he grounds out, and they get Marsh out at second to get the lead runner. They don't turn the double play. So now you have Schwarber on first base with two outs.
1: And Schwarber tries to get to second base, thrown out, and he's kind of lingering out there after... The inning is over thinking that he's safe. He's not. He w- it wasn't even
0: close. I mean, on it TV close. there was like no I understand you have to feel like yeah. you were safe. Um and it was it was just to be clear, it was kind of like a wild pitch that kind of bounced uh to the left of Moreno. He jumps up and Torre's was not the fastest guy. And so that he he was out. It was not particularly I mean, great throw by Moreno, but you know, not right. a good not a good not not great base running there from Kyle.
1: And then you have a really bummery transition from that, which is Craig Kimbrell entering the game. The lights go off for his like closer entrance and Ugh. the crowd booze. And it's just the uh. obliteration of vibes from that point. You knew that they were never scoring at yeah. all. The game was over. It was a bummer. Sad to see Kimbrell um, run out to booze. I mean, he I don't want to say anybody deserves it. Jordan, you know, you and I are anti boo. We will never yes. boo. People can boo if they want. He blew two games. And if he had not blown those games, the Phillies would have won the series already. And so, yeah. like, that is very understandable frustration. Totally. Whatever. Ends up 5-1. to one. Kind of a boring game. Merrill Kelly spotted his fastball all night. Yeah. He had the breaking
0: stuff. And if you don't leave mistakes over the middle of the plate, you can tame the Phillies. And if you don't leave mistakes and what is really clear and what is, I know, driving a lot of, you know, Phillies fans kind of nuts is they've he basically decided like I'm not gonna mess with Schwarber and Harper like it's not it's not worth it I don't need to, um, and it worked you know like his three walks were two to Schwarber and, and one to Harper and the rest of them the rest of the team he was able to keep in check and if you're if you're <laughs> hoping like maybe the lineup finally will change in Game Seven nope it's not gonna happen um, that's just not how Rob Thompson rolls is there an obvious solution? No, I don't think so. I mean, the easiest one that comes to mind is Real Muto, you know, swapping with Bohm, But ultimately, like, just that that middle group and Real Muto's maybe look the best, but Castellanos just suddenly looks so lost. Stott, who at the very least, even if he's not racking up a bunch of hits, is at least putting together quality at bats. That has not been happening as much in the five spot. And then Bohm just can't really hit anything hard um and he's you know obviously been striking out and just had some some bad at bats out of the four hole so look these are all good hitters Marsh has looked great but like you're not going to move him up to four so ultimately like the backs have realized like that we just do not have to mess with shawber and harper i think you point out too the turner started to look a little bit worse too and i think that's made an even bigger difference especially with how was being pitched that's it i really don't have a whole lot else to say about Game six, like it yeah, was I mean, it was fine. it was really like the opposite of Game five, and credit to Miro Kelly for for playing the Zach Wheeler role, and for Aaron Nola, we've said a million times, like if that was his last home start as of Philly, like that's quite disappointing, and it was interesting that in that second matchup, the D-backs made adjustments against Nola, the Phillies, I guess Miro Kelly made the adjustments against the Phillies, right? You know, and that that's really, yeah. I think, what happened, and 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 credit to to them for doing that, and I would say too, you know, the point that you just made you know, spinning this forward to game seven. When you think about the bullpen that was used, I, I agree, yeah, the Phillies did not use, you know, the four guys that they like the most, the, the D-backs did. You know, the D-backs didn't. Seawald, 11 pitches. Ginkle, 13 pitches. Saul Frank, six pitches, right? Thompson, only 15 pitches to get, you know, four outs. Yeah, and that's because the Phillies are having
1: bad at-bats right now. Yeah. We're getting a lot of early count swings from yep. them, and that leads to uncompetitive matchups with pitchers where they're able to save their pitches, Mm-hmm. There are a number of Phillies who do look just lost. Like, Turner looks
0: awful. Castellanos looks terrible right now. Johan Roas actually looks solid. He's, he's kind of starting big- to... I mean, he's literally hitting... I mean, I think he has like a 200 OPS in the playoffs. But, like, he's yeah. at least starting to... Starting I, to I mean, he's literally trying to learn how to hit like in the big league postseason. Like that's ridiculous. Right. He has a 283 OPS. He's hitting 095, yeah. <laughs> 4 for 24. And yet I agree with you, he's sort of looking a little better. He's looking better. Like he's now
1: on trying not to strike out vibes. Like that's all he's trying to do is not strike oh. out. And then sometimes the ball goes in a good place. Um, mm-hmm. I am worried about Turner. When he gets swing-happy like this and starts chasing outside the zone, that's when he gets into issues. The whole Phillies team, if I were them, I would just not swing. like Just take some first pitches because they're getting behind in counts stuff. from chasing. They're yeah. chasing pitches early in the count. That's putting them in bad counts. And once you're at a bad count, you're not going
0: to get mistakes. Uh, one other thing for the D-backs, and then just we'll get your Game 7 thoughts here. Corbin Carroll finally scored a run. Um, he had not scored a run in this series. I think he had not scored a run in like six or seven games, which is I think the longest streak of his entire season. Now he's still struck out twice, but I mean, it just feels like there's at some point you'll have to start seeing him hitting the ball harder. But fortunately for them, Catal Marte is a fucking beast. I mean, he's now you know tied the big league record for most a game or longest hitting streak to start a postseason career with 15. And he just looks fantastic from both sides of the plate. And that's really what, especially when you talk about late game situations, that's what makes a player like him so valuable because his splits for his career are he's way better from the right side, you know, against lefties, but he's clearly been swinging it extremely well uh, from the left side. Well, too. And Moreno, of course, I mean, he only has one hit, but he looked good. Walker is the one. Now I know he drew two walks, some better at bats, but the swings have been atrocious for Walker. Now again, same kind of thing. We've seen a little bit more adjustments from Lavello from a from a lineup standpoint. I doubt they're going to change anything in this case for Game Seven too. But that was um, a little bit concerning. But hey, when fa- you know Fam Gurriel go back to back, you're not as concerned about that. All right, Game Seven, Jake, Ranger Suarez, Brandon Fott. Now, it's not like Ranger wasn't freaking awesome. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, just looking at some, you know, some Wheeler. Oh, he's got the lowest uh, whip in postseason history. Ranger Suarez ranks like seventh. Um, he, I know it's, you know, fewer innings, but he's been amazing. And obviously the D-backs offense, like they got to feel a little bit better about after that game yesterday. You know, they had 10 hits, five runs. It's It's a strong showing. If Ranger can keep the ball on the ground, if he can get it to those relievers late, I think that they're in a good position. I mean, the notion that Brandon Font could even come close to repeating, but he doesn't even have to repeat that, right? I mean, he just has to keep them in it and hope that the, the D-backs offense can kind of continue to roll here. Um, but, hey, there's also a world where the command isn't quite as good and he just gets blitzed. But we'll see, man. He was so impressive the other day.
1: I can't see him pitching better than that.
0: <laughs> That's, that, sense? Like, that I feel pretty safe saying, yeah.
1: That's the best you can do against the Phillies in the postseason as a rookie, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it was one of the best postseason. I know he was coming off a good start against the Dodgers, so he's kind of on a roll here. But I think that just like for all we talk about in-game, seeing guys for a third time in a game, like I think about this every postseason, guys making second starts in a series, let alone relievers coming in facing guys at the same time. And that's why when I think about what Logan Webb was able to accomplish in that uh, series against the Dodgers two years ago – when he basically dominated in both to like the same degree and it was just like, how is this possible? Like, this is just absurd. Again, I'm not expecting that kind of showing from Brandon Fott. Um, But if they can, like, that'd be great. I mean, honestly, like Merrill Kelly ended up having a better two starts on the whole than Nola. uh, But this is, this is going to be tough. And again, once again, how aggressive are we getting with Arizona's bullpen? Are we going to man Are we bringing in anybody else? Are we keeping it to just those four guys? We're going to, we're going to find out. So, again, I picked Phillies in seven. So, I feel pretty good about, you know, trusting the snakes to get it this far. Um, and if the snakes pull us off, man, holy shit. Holy shit. Just incredible. We'll cross that bridge later. Yes. If we come That's, to it.
1: Yeah. I have many thoughts. It is incredibly impressive and absolutely mm-hmm. irrational and unhinged behavior from the Diamondbacks. <laughs> the amount hey, but, of self confidence here is so impressive. Um, it's it's, it is all. Like, everything clicking at the right time, except mm-hmm. for your two best hitters. Corbin yeah. Carroll and Christian Walker have both yeah. been bad. It yeah, is true. a remarkable achievement already. Mm-hmm. Hats off to the whole coaching staff for getting this team to believe in itself. Totally. And, and the and Phillies, and Jordan, yeah. it is the first game seven in franchise history. I, I know. A I great was, was a great reminder that the yes. Phillies have more losses than than any other sports franchise in the history of the world biggest losers they're the biggest losers like no one has lost more games no one has been around longer in any like no one plays more games than baseball (laughs) teams in professional (laughs) sports right
0: so they've had like
1: 140
0: i guess maybe the the reds have probably played more games but but they've but (laughs) i haven't lost as much which is which is funny Uh, So yes, so that is uh, really exciting. Yeah, There there were a lot of, um, there's a good story on MLB.com from Brent McGuire, who I believe is a podcast listener. So thank you, Brent. Uh, Just about like, you know, first game seven ever. There are four other teams that have never played a game seven still, Uh, but obviously they have not been around for a hundred plus years. The Rockies, the Mm. Padres, the Seattle Mariners, ever heard of him? And the White Sox, who technically played a Game 7 in one of the best of nine World Series in 1919, but have not since. So that's pretty close. I mean, the White Sox, as far as I'm concerned, is pretty much the same thing there. Uh, White, Sox, White Sox fans, right, at this moment, couldn't dream of anything more you know, fantastical than a Game 7 opportunity. <laughs> it seems so far away, a Game 7 for the, the Chicago White Sox. Wow. Jordan, do you
1: know the three... Uh, Phillies to
0: have played in a game seven. Uh, the three Phillies to have played in game seven are obviously Kyle Schwarber is one. Yep. The other two are I I know Bryce Harper never has. I'm trying to think, and Trey Turner has. Yes, Trey Turner Correct. obviously did in the World Series. So then, who is the third? Garrett Stubbs appeared for the a- Astros. Appeared he appeared in in a yes.
1: Game? Garrett Stubbs appeared in Game Seven of the 2020 ALCS. Okay, it was for against Tampa. against the against the against the Rays. Yeah, Maldonado was pinch hit for late in the eighth inning, and Stubbs came in and catched the ninth. So the three Phillies wow. who played in Game Seven are Turner, Shorber, and Stubbs.
0: <laughs> oh man, I think you got to start Stubbs over Real Muto here just to, for the for the experience, right? I think that JT would. Be the-
1: literally explode
0: that would right. be a a rob thompson pivot for the ages uh and i'm not counting on that whatsoever. pre-game anyway. pre-game presser he's just like yeah you know he's been here before we trust our guy <laughs> and here's the th- that's true he's our guy um last thing on this i mean again you you sort of mentioned it kind of talking about the atmosphere and i said it coming into the series like sorry man pressure's on the phillies tonight like i know brandon fontza rookie is going to be pitching as since make and it is going to be loud, and they are going to make it the home field advantage. But uh, the pressure is undeniably on the Phillies in a massive way here, undeniably. The, the
1: the worst case scenario: what if worry wart meter? Last night, every inning as it got no. colder and the game drew on a little more, you could just see people thinking Uh uh-oh holy shit like it's
0: it's it was so many different thoughts not just like oh my god it was i mean the individual game you were watching itself and just kind of watching that slip away and then just everything kind of coming together to realize what it meant about tomorrow first game seven ever and all these different things and oh my god if we lose the diamondbacks oh my goodness we're supposed to be in the world series blah 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 so all those things anyway Good luck to the Phillies. Good luck to the Diamondbacks. We will talk about that tomorrow, of course. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to talk about the American League champion Texas Rangers, who kicked the Astros' ass on their home turf for the fourth time to send them the first World Series since 2011. We'll be right back to talk about the ALCS. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch Look in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing Then why not consider some official baseball barbacast merchandise Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt A cap, which we would call an old hair hugger Or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap We have it all for you But that's not all Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this postseason. And welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. It is now time to talk about what Jake dubbed the lovely championship series. A lovely championship series. More like a lackluster championship series. Not on Mm. the whole... But as far as a conclusion goes, as I tweeted, this game achieved epic levels of womp womp. This series did deliver the drama. All of the hype about this Texas showdown, these division rivals, these two teams that really didn't like each other as we knew coming into it. And as was made very clear over the course of the series, ultimately, the Astros' home field disadvantage won out in the end and the Rangers' relentless offense was too much for them to overcome. Astros are going home. They will not be back in the World Series. We will not have a repeat World Series champion once again. I believe we are now up to 22, or I guess 23 years, however you wanna count it, which I saw is the longest streak in North American sports for any league to not have a repeat champion, which I love that. I'm like proud of that as a baseball fan. That I, I would say that the moment as like a neutral fan, Obviously, I wouldn't feel this if the Mariners won the World Series in some crazy world. But as a neutral fan and observer of the league, the moment that the team that won last year loses is a great moment in any season for me
1: because I know I'm
0: about to see something new, something different, new people raising the trophy. And while I am sad for like Jose Abreu uh, on the whole, I know most people are excited about the Astros being eliminated. But we're going to let's move the Astros to the side. Let's talk about this game. We'll say goodbye to the Astros after we recap this game, even though, of course, it was not the most competitive contest. Christian Javier, Max Scherzer, who would go deeper into this game before the managers, the veteran managers started pressing the bullpen buttons. And the answer was one out for Christian Javier. He allowed uh just right off the rip. I guess he got Marcus Semi into ground out. That, that started the game. So it was like, okay, great. I love discourse about starting pitchers going deep, and it's like,
1: how long will they let him go? And then when the <laughs> starting pitcher just throws up a freaking stinker, yeah,
0: and it's yes. like, what out? We have to get yeah. him now. Uh, Sammy grounds out, and then Corey Seager absolutely Molly a baseball. 113 off the bat, hardest hit ball of his postseason career. And that's saying something, because Corey Seager's done a few things in the postseason. And then it just unravels immediately. Evan Carter walks. He steals. Adolis Garcia, first of five RBIs in the evening. He steals. Mitch Garver singles. Heim singles. And now it's 3-0 going to the bottom of the first. But Max Scherzer, what the hell are we going to get from him? And when Jose Altuve doubles to lead off the game on the first pitch, you're like, here we go. This game's going 20 to be 20-21 to win by two. We're in for a long one. We're in for a total shootout, which is kind of a fitting way for this series to end. But instead, he settles in to some degree. Abreu gets an RBI single, but when Bradley grounds Scherzer, into that double play, has I was like, oh, ever? Yeah,
1: has he ever settled in to anything? Is does he? I don't know point. if he's
0: a settler. That's a great, great point because even as he's settling in, if you looked at him, he sure does not look settled. <laughs> <laughs> What's like settles in to the couch? You know, like oh, I'm gonna settle in, and watch some.
1: But he's even if like he was, on the couch, like, ugh. Yeah, uh,
0: he's, 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 you know, if you think us, you know, our ADHD has us, you know, bobbing our knee up and down. You can only imagine Max Scherzer's like uh, trying to settle down. Uh, top of the second, here comes Hunter Brown. And I don't think I acknowledge Hunter Brown as enough of an X Factor coming into this game because we wondered, oh, would they bring in Verlander in relief? But Hunter Brown and J.P. France, who we're going to get to in a second, were really the length options who had looked—Hunter Brown looked really good. He looked good early, early in the series. He's picked, pitched pretty well against Texas this season, I believe. So he comes in at the top of the second. At this point, it's three-to-one Rangers. And he allows a secret double, but no runs. Bottom of the second, Scherzer keeps going. He walks McCormick, but he strikes out Peña and Maldonado. Okay, so it's three-to-one. Adolis Garcia, top of the third. Holy crap. A opposite field home run that is, is so impressive, sneaks in inside the pole. What a tribute to Howie Kendrick, except he hit it even farther. I mean, perfect pitch. But the reason I mentioned Howie Kendrick, you look at the uh, the pitch location. I know this was a fastball, not a cutter. But I mean, Hunter Brown did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah. I mean, he was away, away, away. And Adolios Garcia said, I don't, I don't care. I'm the hottest hitter on the face of the earth. You cannot stop me. He goes uh, out to right field. But then... You know, gets the next three hitters, and it's like, okay, well, Hunter Brown can presumably, like, he looks good. Like, Garcia's a freak. It's, it's, three, it's four to one. Like, he can presumably give you some more innings. Alex Bregman-Homers, the bottom of the third. Now it's four to two. Jordan Alvarez hits the most preposterous triple I have ever seen. I mean, this was just such a laughable piece of hitting. I mean, he fouls off, I think, five pitches and then reaches out on a curveball that is so far outside the zone and just lifts it off the Crawford boxes for a triple. Credit to him for even getting the third on that ball. I mean, he's just, uh, Jordan, I, I I will miss Jordan dearly uh, for the rest of this postseason. There are highlights. You could just watch them. That's true. I will probably keep doing that. But then, Jake, here's something we totally whiffed on on our preview yesterday. It's Jordan Montgomery. Fucking duh. If Justin Verlander was going to be willing to come in, of course Jordan Montgomery was going to be willing to come in. He comes in. Duh. He gets Michael Brantley. And, and and you just kind of know it's like, oh, well, this is bad news for the Astros because Jordan Montgomery, <laughs> you say Scherzer, you know, settles in. Jordan Montgomery is a settler. That's a man this who cruises man, through the middle inning. This man will settle in any situation. I don't know the last time he came out of the bullpen. Uh, but he looked awfully comfortable. I'm such a sucker, dude. If,
1: if I was a GM, I'd be like, what blank check? Jordan Montgomery, blank check. <laughs> well, I'm gl- hey, I'm
0: glad you mentioned that. Uh, I got a text from uh, our good friend and podcast listener, Kennedy Landry, who will now be covering uh, the World Series. She was like, oh, I listened to you say talk about oh how much you'd pay Montgomery and how Jordan was like, oh, yeah, whoever's agent. He's Boris. I've never thought about Jordan Montgomery as a Boris guy at any point (laughs) is the least Boris energy. And yet he will, thank goodness, Scott Boris will be making some more money this winter. I was, Uh, I was starting to get worried. I was worried worried about the coffers. (laughs) Anyway, top of the fourth, here comes JP France. Now we're going to fly through the rest of the game after this point, but if if we're going to hyper-criticize, because it's game seven and every bullpen decision and and pitcher decision makes, makes a difference here. So again, it's four to two. JP France is coming in for Josh Young who's batting 8th. Okay, Josh Young singles, Tavares strikes out. Marcus Semien walks. So, at this point, again, it's only the 4th inning. There's a lot there's a long way to go. However, however, however. JP France, I adore what you have accomplished this season, truly. But he was pretty far down the leverage chart here. And in a 2-run game, I have to imagine there has to be some more urgency. Than letting him continue to stay in this game after he had faced the requisite three batters. Now it's like, okay, well, who are they going to go to, right? What, what what are your options here? They only have so many other relievers, but like honestly, like I I just something else or leave Brown in or something else to let him face Seeger to let him face Carter to let him face Garcia. They just just kind of watched him let it become eight two, and now it just doesn't feel competitive at all. And it's like really like J P France is the one. That you're gonna kind of go home with, and I, I, I guess so. And it sucks because like I, yeah. it's weird for JB France to be in that spot. And I know it's the fourth thing, and you feel like you have a lot of outs to cover, and maybe the, the Rangers were going to score 11 runs regardless. It just felt weird. It it just felt unfortunate. Very Vichy France, not as much Free France. <laughs> Damn, well said. That's that's exactly the the yeah. the, <laughs> the comp people were expecting. That's what Dusty Baker was saying after the game.
1: I. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird choice. Like they have, it, it's you know what it is. It's similar to the Lorenzen in that on the mm. NL side, where it's like you're hoping the guy gives you. Except some Except your season but, is on the line. Except your season is on the line, and that's why it's super weird. Like, yeah. like
0: that could have been Verlander, yeah, right? 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 Or I don't know. Or like I, again, like I know he got hit around a little bit, but like, how did we end up with Urquidy at? In the eighth like i don't know it's just it's just a strange choice and it's hard like these are the sequences of the pitchers here are difficult and clearly the rangers had had a more clear plan which was scherzer for a little bit and then montgomery is going to ride and because we clearly he was very capable of doing that like that's a much safer option but i don't know it was just it was just a kind of a disappointing way for that to come because it becomes eight to two and at that point with montgomery still on the mound whether he's going to go another inning or three or four, like you, and and with the way that a lot of the Astros lineup was starting to look, especially at the bottom, it was just like, damn. All right, well, that's that's probably it. You know, we don't get runs for the next three half innings, and then you know Brian Abreu comes in again. His suspension upheld, but postponed till the regular season, so we get to use him. He hits Mitch Garver with a pitch. He gives up a home run to Nathaniel Lowe, who is now suddenly wearing his turtleneck again. It's back. For some reason. We love it. Homered without it in game five. Homers with it in game seven. We love that for Nathaniel. And now it's 10-2, and we're we're kind of a GG. Uh, you know, Spores comes in. He looks great. Or Keedy comes in. It's just just a real slog of a game. Jordan still manages to tack on another RBI later against the Realtes Chapman for good measure. And then in the top of the eighth, Adolis Garcia with the exclamation point of all exclamation points. Mm. Another home run. This one a beautiful Crawford boxes shot. Just a delicious sky-high 44-degree launch angle, 340 feet. Of course, this would only be a home run in Houston and in Boston. My goodness. Garcia made contact with the ball,
1: and he said, Can you take me higher? And the answer was, <laughs> not much
0: higher with a 44-degree launch angle. <laughs> The roof almost got in the way. Adolis Garcia, let us pause here to talk about Adolis Garcia. I mean, whatever. Wow. The rest of the game, Chaz McCormick gets hit by an 104-mile-an-hour pitch from Roldis Chapman. That was a tough look. Was that intentional? I actually am, I believe it is more likely that was intentional than Brian Abreu. There's your hot take. There you Whoa. go, Astros fans. If that makes you feel good for the season, you're welcome. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, the also, the, but goddamn, that's got to hurt. I mean, Chapman hadn't thrown 104 in like years. And suddenly he throws it to hit Chaz McCormick on the ass. Not not fun. Uh, top of the ninth, Stanek, whatever. And then and then okay. So bottom nine, it's eleven to three, and for some reason Jose Leclerc needs to pitch again. <laughs> this is his tenth appearance in the postseason. He is barreling towards the all time record, which is fourteen. And again, he's he's pitched in every game but one, right? Or I think every game but one or but two. Anyway, Jose Altuve. Mm. One for the road. Or I guess one for the home crowd, or at least those Astros first fans pitch. that were still there. First pitch gone. Uh, to at least get one homer closer to Manny Ramirez. You they cut to LeClerc and he's like laughing. <laughs> I'd be laughing too. Um he walked Bregman and at this point it's like, I'm not worried about the game, but like, why are we making this guy throw more pitches? <laughs> then he strikes out Jordan and it's like, all right, whatever. Uh Kyle Tucker eventually grounds out a, a fittingly depressing person to end this series nothing against kyle tucker seems like a nice gent no no beef with him at all the guy was just disastrously bad in this series and and you know earlier the the low homer barely goes over his glove he probably never wants to try and rob a home run ever again at that fence but he's gonna have to and he was just he was awful he was a really bad hitter in this series and that made that made a big difference. It really did, unfortunately. Uh, he's a great hitter. He's he's a great player. One of the best players in baseball. But my goodness, he did not show up in this series. And he, he his vibes, I mean, not that he's the most emotive player in general, but he was just not having a good time at any point. Yeah. It's
1: also not why they gave up 11 runs in a game seven. Not
0: at all. Not at all. Of course, it's not his fault.
1: You can't. When, no. if you give up no. 11 runs. No, you cannot. In a game no, seven. Cannot. And this goes back to Javier. And there's no way they could have known. I said this a couple times this postseason. And looked like an idiot every time. Where I was like, look, I understand Javier's fastball is magic. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it's riding up in the zone. It. Like, they were ready for the heater. The Rangers were on it. And he got one out.
0: Well, and that's the, that's the wild thing, though, is you look at those pitches like, he wasn't missing location like they were just ready for it. Like he was, the fastball was up. He wasn't in the middle of the zone. But, but again, like as I just mentioned earlier, they just saw it. You know, they've seen it a bunch of times this year now. And at some point, the hitters are just that good. And that yeah. was that was ultimately the difference. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. Let's should we talk about Dolis uh, quickly, or, or and then we can say goodbye to the Astros and then big picture Rangers before we say goodbye to on the podcast. Works for me. Okay. Adolis Garcia. Wow. Um, this stat uh, blew my mind. Ready for this? Uh, ready for this for Mr. Mr. Adolis? Of course, your ALCS hey, hey, hey. MVP. What a surprise. He is up to 20 RBIs. Jake, 20 RBIs. That's a lot of RBIs. Yeah. And oh RBIs, I uh, guess what? Especially in the playoffs. I hell damn right I care about RBIs. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that probably means you're helping your team win and when every run is really important. Get him over, it get him in only one less than David Freeze's record of 21 in 2011, currently tied with Corey Seager in 2020. However, Fries and Seager did it in 20 games. Garcia has played 12, and he has 20 RBIs. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. And for him to put on this show in these last couple games, for Martin Maldonado to say the only thing he did was wake up the Houston Astros for Dolores Garcia to say, Night, night, let me tuck you in, kiss you on the forehead, and walk around the bases and laugh at your fans was <laughs> so cool, so badass. It was probably the most he is him performance of the yeah. season on many levels, as cliche as it has become in our social media world. Uh, it was awesome. And he, again, I, as I've written many times, like, he is the the not just the heart and soul he is the he is the energy and the emotion on yeah. this team. The they rest of that this on lineup the broadcast is not
1: interesting. Yeah, they said on the broadcast it's a lot of uh, inter- interchangeable caucasians and like Garcia is the electricity in the house and when he does something that looks stupid like when he rips a line drive off the top of the Crawford boxes in the early part of this game and like walks to first because he thinks it's out. And then, you know, but then he immediately still second and it's fine. Mm -hmm. You need to let players who are wired like that play their game. That is how you get the best version of Adelis Garcia. And I give Bruce Bochy some credit of all fucking people who you think would be grouchy old man is letting that ride. Right, And he is getting the
0: most out of a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Yeah. And now, you know, whatever, seven homers. Um, you ready for my favorite thing about Adelius Garcia's uh, postseason? Zero walks. <laughs> Zero. He has none. He is not thinking of it. Now, he's gotten hit a couple times, as we know. saw that. I saw that. That is a, that is a free pass, uh, in a sense. But he's up there to swing the bat and whoever is facing him in the world series. Um, now, again, what we, but what we saw, especially in the back half of this series, it, it, it don't matter where you're throwing it. Right. And that's yeah. when you're in trouble because it's like, oh, I'm executing my pitch. And he's still hitting a home run, but we'll see. I, I hope it continues because my gosh, it is so much fun, but at some point it could maybe be exploited.
1: When I uh, used to coach at baseball camp and kids would be very passive at the plate. I'd be like, mm-hmm. Your parents are not paying for you to walk. <laughs> they did not drop you off this morning and pack your lunch so that you could take four balls, swing the stick. And so I yeah. wish
0: Adelis Garcia had yeah. been in my group at camp. So but but it was huge. And and him and, and for Seeger to to show up to this degree. I mean, the reality is Marcus Simeon, while he has looked better and has some had had some hard at balls and tough luck outs. Marcus Semyon's OPS this postseason is 5.07 with zero mm. home runs. Too low. He's hitting 192, right? But if Seegers is 11.27 and Adolis is 11.02, who cares, right? We're chilling. Uh, and, and Evan Carter's, you know, getting on base to the degree that he is. Like, Evan Carter's got a 9.87 OPS in the playoffs. Like, the, it is more than enough, and that is what makes this lineup so good, of course. And you're seeing low heating up. You're seeing Garver have his moments. You're seeing Young. You're seeing Tavares have these games, Right. Again, it was one of the best lineups in baseball the whole season. It's not surprising to see it travel to this degree. Jake, we have to say goodbye to the Astros now. I goodbye. Think, you, uh, yeah. Goodbye. Right. Mean, All right. See you. All right. Have have a good. Uh, Dusty's whi- done. What's the hag's equivalent for for the, have a hago? Ha- have a good off season. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Dusty's done. Right? Did you say yes? Yeah, so let's start there. Um, I guess not officially, but it sure seems likely, uh, the reporting that Dusty has told people that this is the last season that he'll be managing. I'm not especially shocked by that. I think a lot of people expected him to be done when he won the World Series last year.
1: Yeah, let's wait until we get official confirmation of this from Dusty to do some sort of Dusty Baker career retrospective. Uh, We're not going to try and shove that into this
0: pod. 100%, 100%. But I will say that... What it does make me think of is it is going to be an interesting transition here. We've seen so much bizarre turnover in this front office and I guess coaching staff in recent years with this organization that's been to seven straight ALCSs. And now let's also recall that last year they fired their GM within days of the World Series and began their offseason without a general manager. Now they have Dana Brown in place. Presumably he can has some sort of plan or some sort of vision for what this roster will look like. If Dusty is gone, that could make a big difference. Not that I think that Dusty and Dana Brown were on the same page, but like a lot of things could change in this way. There's still obviously an incredible core here. We know what a lot of this team is going to look like, but there's some big decisions um, for what this team is is going to look like in terms of how they're going to, who they choose the next manager. Are they going to just, you know, uh, tell Joe Espada, okay, finally, you can have the job? Or are they going to go outside the, the organization and Dana Brown picks somebody else? There's a lot of interesting things. Is is this the end of Martin Maldonado? Mm. You know, like there's, there's a lot of different questions about this roster that are very interesting. But obviously, most people are more than happy to see the Astros be done. Um, and that's uh, understandable. And it doesn't take anything away from what they've accomplished this season. Uh, but you had something weird going on at home. And it wasn't cheating this time. It was getting your ass whooped. And to lose four home games in a playoff series to become only the second team ever to do that, joining yourself in 2019, (laughs) is is a tough look. And I still do not understand the home field disadvantage thing. This was not a thing that had been an issue for them in the past at all. And so I don't know what is going on there, whatever excuse you want to make. But ultimately, enough of their guys just didn't show up. The pitching was just not as deep as we expected. And uh, it was a hell of a team, but the Rangers absolutely beat them handily and they deserve it. And the Astros have some big decisions to make this winter. Kudos to the Rangers.
1: Big congrats. Pop a bottle. Put on the creed in their honor. We'll talk a little bit more about them on the World Series preview. Yep. But it is an incredible accomplishment and it is a great reminder. Even as the Mets and the Padres and the Yankees burn and burn and burn oodles of money for seemingly no reason spending in free agency. If you do it right, makes you a good baseball team. The Phillies are one win away from proving that again. Yeah. And the Rangers just did it. Now you have to supplement it with talent and the Rangers did that. The Padres did not. Right. However, it's just a really good reminder that you got to spend and that spending helps and spending
0: works. Spending helps. Spending can work. Um, a lot about Seager and Semyon. They're not here without Nadia Native, Native, Valdi. Native it's a free agent, right? But it's also the aggressive nature with which they've kind of acted since Chris Young became the GM overall, right? It's not just that the free agency and the spending. It's the trades. It's the some of the trades that are going to end up looking bad in the long run. Right. But guess what? If they raise the trophy in a couple weeks, who gives a shit, right? This is a team that's never won a World Series. So they have been so aggressive, not just in free agency, in every facet to add, add, add talent. And they've developed enough within, with guys like Young, with guys like Carter, that it is enough. And so while some of those trades and signings have already and will continue to look reckless in some regards, it does not fucking matter if they win the World Series. And what they've accomplished already is exactly why that aggression Deserves to be rewarded, and it is great to see that be rewarded because we need more examples like these so that more owners look at them and be like, hey, that looks fun. I should try that. I should try doing everything in my power to help this baseball team win. Speaking of that, I'm going to go ahead over to the yard and
1: see my my main man, John Middleton, (laughs) everyone's favorite owner. We should do a whole episode on John Middleton this offseason. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by him, the Phillies owner. Uh, Game seven tonight, Phillies, Diamondbacks. Oh, we'll be potting in the morning. Don't you worry. Yep.
0: yep. Uh, that's we'll be, it. Goodbye. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be back. At the end we'll now. be back, of course, on Wednesday. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. You can email us at baseballbarbecast at gmail.com. We appreciate those emails and all the ratings and reviews uh, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you all so much. This has been fun podcasting during this postseason, and we will keep it rolling. Another Game 7 tonight uh, for everybody's sake. Um, although, I guess if you're a Phillies fan... You would just like an easy ten nothing victory, <laughs> like and earlier in the series, uh, we will see what happens in Game Seven. But uh, enjoy, enjoy another Game Seven, and we will be back on Wednesday. Goodbye, and good luck to Brandon Vaught and Rangers Suarez. You're pitching in a Game Seven. Bye. Sirius XM Podcasts.